0: love talk radio i'm a truth terrorist i'm a knowledge gangster i'm a black history hitman. man i'm a lie killer urban gorilla i gotta be a rough nag free to black panthers fcbp stand for free to black panthers it's up the black police that 13th amendment trying to make a slave of me you can lock like my body, can't trap my mind, not will ever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, FTBP stand for free the Black Panthers, F up the black police, feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership rose, but we still here in the bill head of pro show, they got me started, lying hearted, I'm the new Mufasa. And I'm all about Umoja, first in groups, Usaba. Let's bring back the black families, we need our father. Single mama, son and daughter, that's root of the problem. Wise up, we wise up, unity so powerful. Black banks, black schools, black on black power moves. Khalid Muhammad We gon' make your day a holiday I fuck me, i Free the Black Panthers F-E-B-P Stand for Free the Black Panthers It's up the Black Police That 13th Amendment Tryna make a slave of me You can like my body, can't trap my mind Not forever ever be free, okay Free the Black Panthers F-E-B-P Stand for Free the Black Panthers It's up the Black Police the infiltrated our movement for black leadership roles But we still heads in the bill here, upcoin coin pro RBG, R.B.G., 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 R.B.G. Rbg. My sisters, my brothers, the council, the elders, that's really all I need. We suited, we booted, don't do it, you stupid, we head to the armory. Black women and goddess, regardless, my heart just don't fuck with misogyny. Bullets that don't tolerate it, melanated, so you gotta hate it. rock up, another conversation. Trump gonna in get inaugurated. Damn, unify
1: or die, nbpp.org. First and foremost, the new Black Panther Party amendment forced our people to be subjects of this government we never had any say in that we need our own nation how much time was left the next <laughs> one minute oh, the next well the next brother that's getting ready to come up is brother bashir Ekinelli muhammad uh representing the brothers and sisters up in newark new jersey he uh is a part of a few uh organizations uh, I know the brother from my days in the beginning days when I joined the New Black Panther Party, uh, and also. But the brother is part of a, a group uh, called ASCAT. He's also a part of the Newark Anti-Violence Coalition. More boots on the ground activity, uh, as we mentioned. Brother Jamoke has been uh, on the front line, uh, representing in Cobra, the Republic of New Africa, and as just as he said earlier, brother Jamoke, the brother. I talked to him. He's been in. sometimes I call him, he'll be in Alabama. Sometimes I call him, he's in Atlanta, you know, St. Louis, on the way to Oakland. These brothers and sisters that are on this call crisscrossed this country pushing the agenda of reparations.
3: Let let me just give my contact information. Somebody would like to
4: contact me directly. You can email me at reparationsj at
3: gmail.com. That's reparations. Letter J at gmail dot com, and I'll, I'll put um, my link information in the chat as well. Again, thank you, Crystal, for organizing this and bringing us this very powerful discussion together
4: on Juneteenth. I say, I, I think shame. that that's where we need. To, you know, Juneteenth should be
3: linked to reparations. But right? there shouldn't be any conversation about Juneteenth that doesn't include reparations. So, um, right on. For doing I say, I
1: say, Black Power, Black Power. All right. We're going to keep it going. We got a heavy hitters. I believe this is Brother Bashir. Is that you, Brother Bashir? Black Power?
3: All right. Can everyone see and hear me? I may have to cut on my light. <laughs> we
1: can see you Bye. and we can hear you.
3: Okay, good. Let me, let, give me one second. Let me cut
1: on the light. No problem. Take your time. I'm going to Bye. mute everybody else just to be on the safe side. <laughs> I think what happens sometimes the comrades click over to answer the phone and when they come back, uh the Zoom is back on mute, so I'm just gonna mute everybody except the the uh speaker. Oh, let me go ahead and unmute him. Maybe he muted himself. We'll see when he comes back. A lot of powerful information. We see there's uh there's more conversation in the chat, brother. Is there any questions that we need to answer? We got the comrades here with the new Black Panther Party in the backdrop. It's a lot of work went into uh putting this production together. Though y'all see my face. It's a lot of work the in. We've been uh Okay, thank you, brother. All right, our brother's back. Okay. Did you put your phone fo- yourself on mute or did I?
3: I'm sorry.
1: Okay, you back. I was making sure I didn't mute you.
3: Oh.
1: Okay, I see you went and got your 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 RBG Koofy. Now you ready. You know that. You Cam know that. I gotta
3: represent now.
1: That's what I'm talking about. So you got the floor, brother. I'm going on mute.
3: All right, Sister Crystal, before you go, um, you're going to allow me to share. I think I can share my screen. Yes. Okay, cool.
1: Let me make sure you're up before I go. That's right.
3: Okay.
2: Okay. Let me just
4: make sure I'm good. All
3: right.
1: Okay, you got it
3: okay i think i think i'm there wait give me one more second give me one more second to find my give me one second let me just set it up
1: no problem
3: give me one second let me just set it up all right,
1: all right. i'm just going to remind everybody uh that i'm going to remind everybody that uh this video will go up on youtube It won't be live but we will we will take the entirety of it and post it uh, to the YouTube channel, the New Black Panther Party channel. We'll share it. Um, it give us about 24 to 48 hours. We attempted to do it live, uh, but, you know, we had technical difficulty, and we had to get the program going. So just let me know when you're ready. But she's... Okay, give me one second. I'm just all right. to
3: get, get my stuff I'll together. Keep
1: going, I'll keep going while he's doing that.
3: Okay. Um,
1: next up, after Brother Bashir, we'll have a brother, Eugene, who's going to give us some information about uh what's going on on the continent and we have uh brother abdul helene followed by Abdul helene followed by jay morrison then james smalls brother uh larry hayes uh out of new orleans brother yafeo brother yusef brother war Baba M- baba amin and sister uh i mean from people who have built african center schools people who are going to give us you know, some historical perspective and more marching orders. Economics, we're definitely going to get into that. You know, what would reparations look like? I mean, these are some major, major issues, major, major sub uh, chapters in the whole reparations uh, context. But what we will do on the next session is put out some action plans. We want everybody to keep that in mind. You know, but we have to have a basis on why we're making these calls for reparations.
5: Teach, teach. You know, I'm ready when you, you need are. Need to be
1: able. All right, all right. You need to be able to explain what reparations means when you ask about it, or you start talking about it. Start with your family. You know, it's going to get really interesting. But there's work being done. I heard somebody say earlier. You know that we might not get everything. I believe we will. In fact, I know we will. Mm-hmm. Whatever we determine, we're going to do. We think we're not going to get it all. We're not going to get it all. These are many avenues. So Black Power, Bashir, Bashir.
3: Black Power.
1: A, a warrior and he's <laughs> a scholar. That's a cold combination. <laughs>
3: That's a black cold power.
1: combination. Black Power, I'm going on mute.
3: All right. Black Power family, Black Power, Black Power, Black Power, Black Power, Black Power, Black Power all power to the people you know i like to be, always begin a uh teaching session or a classroom session or even a uh, uh a rally or demo in the streets by offering conscious greetings all right so i'm going to begin with black power of course black power uh Yuhuru sasa that's key swahili for freedom now all right uh, all power to the people peace in the streets peace in the streets no justice no peace no justice no peace sey alafia that's yoruba for peace be unto you that's the that's the language of the yoruba, yoruba people that come that uh where they uh they reside in the place that we now call nigeria all right um you know, so share lafia knee, Peace be unto you. All right, and of course, Hotep. 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 Hotep is. <clears throat> hotep is an ancient African, uh, Kemetic Egyptian word for peace. Some scholars say it is one of the oldest written words for peace in human history. Some scholars say it is the oldest written word for peace in human history. Uh, When you translate it, it it comes actually out of the Meduneta, all right? Um, The Europeans and the Arabs now call it the hieroglyphics, all right? Uh, But the African name for the original African name for the hieroglyphics is Meduneta, all right? So hotep, 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 peace. And there's another phrase that we use um, called Uncle Jessenev. And Uncle Jessenev is ancient African, comedic Egyptian phrase for life, prosperity, and health. Uncle Jessenev. This phrase come out of the, comes out of the Medunetar as well. All right. Um, so, Otep, Uncle Jessenev. My name is Brother Bashir Muhammad. Patel Akinyele. I'm a history and Africana studies or Black studies teacher, longtime Africana history and Africana studies Black studies teacher at uh, Weekway High School in the city of Newark. All right, but I'm also co-coordinator for ASCAT study group in uh, the city of Newark. All right, ASCAP, ASCAT simply means the Association for the Study of Classical African Civilizations. For those who never heard of ASCAT, ASCAT was created by was created in 1984 by our great master teachers such as Dr. Jacob Cruthers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, Dr. Malana Karinga, uh, Dr. Rakiti Amin, um, Dr. John Henry Clark, Dr. Ben Yosef Benyakinen. We affectionately call him Dr. Ben, but his full name is Dr. Yosef Benyakinen. All right, Um, and it's a collection of study groups in America and throughout the world. All right, and what we do is we reclaim, we reclaim our history. All right, (laughs) simply put, we rescue, we reclaim, and we resurrect our history. All right. Uh, to give the world the correct version of African history and culture culture and also to provide the missing, the missing, the missing pages of history. All right. So with that being said, brothers brothers and sisters again, Oteb, Uncle Jess and Ned, all right. It's an honor and pleasure to be here uh, uh, on this great, 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 great program, Juneteenth. Reparations, national teaching. We got to give props to our uh, our chairwoman, our Madam Chairwoman, Sister Crystal Muhammad. We we'll give her a strong round of applause. She made it happen. She's doing great work. In the spirit of our uh, Black Power General, uh, uh, our he is now an ancestor. Now he is now an ancestor, Ibaiye Ashae to the brother. But she's reflective of the work of the great Dr. Khalid Adu Muhammad. He at one time was the national chair of the New Black Panther Party. And I at one time was the local chair or, uh, chairman of the Newark chapter of the New Black Panther Party. All right. Um, served my people well in that capacity for a number of years. And then another brother took over our local um, committee. Our local um, our, our central committee uh, elected another brother, Acho Bukhari. All right, he took the lead um, after I had departed to help establish um, the Newark Anti-Violence Coalition with uh, Ras Baraka, who is now the mayor of the city of Newark. And our Newark Anti-Violence Coalition was established in 2009 in an effort to bring attention to the, to the uh, pandemic of senseless community violence plaguing uh, our our city, our people in the city of Newark. Um and so we conducted rallies and demonstrations every single Wednesday through the hell, the snow, the sleet, the hot weather, cold weather, shutting down shutting down traffic to bring attention to the to to the disease of uh community senseless violence. All right, family. And um and you know, we've been we've been organizing that ever since. In fact, um, when Mayor Baraka was elected to, to office, he established um, the Office of Violence Prevention and Trauma Recovery. and That office is headed up by our great sister, Keisha Uri. She's the director of the Office of Violence Prevention and Trauma Recovery, doing a great job. Big process, Mr. Keisha. Another comrade who was in the ranks for one time in the new Black Panther Party. All right. So we, we reflected, some of us are in other capacities, but we still reflected the, the, the spirit and the consciousness and the great work of the new Black Panther Park, So Black Power, Black Power to all my comrades, all my comrades in the new Black Panther Park. All right, brothers and sisters, I only have a few minutes. <laughs> so let me get right to it. This is Juneteenth. All right, happy Juneteenth. All right, I wear my Black Liberation colors, Um you know, for Juneteenth, I don't. I don't represent the other flag. No disrespect, but I represent our R.B.G. All right, the Black Liberation colors: the red for for our blood and black for our people, Black people, African people, and green for Mother Africa. I represent that always uh, for Juneteenth. All right, and I'm glad. I'm honored. I'm so uh, inspired um, about this teaching. We're doing something very productive. We're doing a teaching on reparations. We're giving information, we're giving inspiration as well as information. Um, but we're giving marching orders and some of us already have marching orders. Some of us have been doing great work already um locally, um, on a state level and on a national level. Um and you know, I can't talk about reparations, brothers and sisters, without without giving props to the mother of the reparations movement, our ancestor now. All right, Evaye to her. And that's none other than Queen Mother Moore, um, just incredible work she did for 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 decades, bringing the attempted the the necessity of reparations to our people, forcing the- our oppressors to repair the damages um, that were inflicted upon us during our enslavement for nearly two hundred and fifty years and 100 years, nearly 100 years of segregation. So she kept, she put that out there on a front burner everywhere she went. Big props to Queen Mother Moore, Ibaye Ashe. All right, for those who don't know what Ibaye Ashe means, Ibaye Ashe are two African Yoruba words that mean blessings to the ancestors. Ibaye, blessings to the ancestors. Ashe simply means what? So be it or it is so. So Ibaye Asheng too, Queen Mother Moore. And um uh, also big props to Inkrover. They uh picked up the mantle as well uh to bring uh the issue of reparations to the forefront of this country and to the world. Uh, big props to Inkrover. They've been putting in work for a long time, long time. Big props to new to the Republic of New Africa. Free the Land, another group um, that that put in work for a long time to bring the issue of reparations to uh, America and the world. All right, big props to these pioneers of the reparations movement and always kept a pan-African, a pan-African perspective of reparations, not a narrow one, but a pan-African one because because the enslavement of our people affected african people in africa it damaged africa it damaged black people that were kidnapped um kidnapped from africa right and placed in placed and, and placed in uh, uh nations that we now call jamaica haiti puerto rico mexico canada dominican republic Right, it damaged our people in those lands, and of course, it damaged our people uh, when our people were placed in America. It damaged our people here in America. So these organizations, Queen Mother Moore, these organizations' and leaders, Queen Mother Moore, Republic of New Africa, and Colvin had a Pan African and still have a Pan African view of the reparations movement. And I would be remiss not to mention another great brother who's been bringing the issue of reparations to the forefront of our people and to America and the world as the great Dr. Ron Daniels from the Institute of the Black World. Big props to Dr. Ron Daniel, Ron Daniel for all his work he's been doing and still does for our people. All right. Hotep, again, brothers and sisters, Uncle Jess All right. Again, my name is Brother Bashir Mohammed P'tum Akinyele. I represent ASCAT, our study group in Brick City, Newark, New Jersey. So let's get right to it. I only got a few, few more minutes. Um, let me see if I can make this thing, the screen, a little bigger. My topic is white supremacy and U.S. reparations. All right, all right, white supremacy and U.S. reparations. All right, and reparations. And and many people, many, many um, of the presenters kind of touched on these things. I don't think I need to get too deep in this, but we know that reparations would do what? It would um, create parity, right, amongst our people, right? Uh, we're talking about uh, monies. We're talking about schools. We're talking about health care, right? We're talking about, uh, man, cultural centers, we're talking about a, a number of things that would repair the damages um, that were created through American slavery and segregation, all right? Um, and, and, and if these things are not done, right, if these things, if reparations is not given, right, we will continue to be um, regulated down to a permanent Permanent, permanent, uh, 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 lower class. So that's what's going on. All right. Um, my next slide. How the dictionary describes reparations: the making of amends for for a wrong one has done by paying. Let me just move this over. By paying money, by paying money to to or otherwise helping those who have been wronged. And this is this comes from the American Dictionary. All right. The root of wealth inequality. The root of wealth inequality is centered on white domination of black people from the 1400s to the 1900s. We're talking about slavery. We're talking about segregation, black codes, right? And, um, you know, and and this white domination was backed by uh, an ideology called white supremacy, right? Which created racism right it was backed by laws it was backed by the milk by the police by <clears throat> by the military right by everything all right so the root of wealth inequality is centered on the white domination of black people from the 1400s to the 1900s historically black people african people were brought to jamestown virginia from africa we're talking about america um and chains by white people to be turned into slaves in 1619 and America to 1865. For centuries African-Americans or black people or African people endured nearly 250 years of slavery but when slavery ended a new form of racial hierarchy came into existence from 1896 to about 1966 some people argue still some of us argue and rightly so that they still exists. Um, but Uh, from about 1896 to about 1966, um, overt segregation was in place and it lasted for almost 100 years. Now, I mentioned something called the ideology of white supremacy, all right? White supremacy did not just come out of osmosis. It didn't come from some poor white folks, um, some inbred white folks somewhere in Appalachian Mountains somewhere. My, the ideology of white supremacy was was constructed, all right? It was created. It was it was formulated to justify, right, to justify the you know, the oppression, the enslavement, the colonization of black people, right. White supremacy created racism to systematically and institutionally enslave and segregate, and segregate black people. This condition. This condition made America, the Western world, and masses of white people wealthy for centuries. I want to really stress this, family, brothers and sisters. This condition made America, the Western world, and masses of white people wealthy for for centuries. All right. To this day, this is why um, Africa, I mean, I'm sorry, Europe is extremely wealthy. And this is why masses of white people have generations of wealth as opposed to black people, right? Um, and Africa is still rebounding from the onslaught of slavery, right? Unfortunately, as a consequence of slavery and racial discrimination, black people descended into the permanent underclass in America for generations. Without a sound plan for reparations, black people cannot uh, achieve full economic equality and independence brothers and sisters facts on the distribution of reparations in america i did some research on this right i wanted to see if reparations if reparations exist in america i wanted to see who was actually getting reparations right because i heard stories about native americans and indigenous people getting reparations i heard about um japanese americans getting reparations i heard about jewish Uh, people getting reparations. So I did some research and found out that it was all true. Let's take a a look at it. Facts on the distribution of reparations in America. Although Native American people are still locked in a protracted struggle to liberate their community from white domination, they have received some concessions from the U.S. government for sanctioning the racist slaughter of millions of indigenous people since the founding of America. Uh, Two Brookings, Brookings Institute fellows Rashawn Ray and Andre M. Perry published an article on April 15, 2020, titled Why We Need Reparations for Black Americans. They write, quote, Native Americans have received land and billions of dollars for various benefits and programs for being forcibly exiled from their Native lands, end quote. That's a direct quote from Rashawn Ray and Andre Perry, all right? The title of this article again is called Why We Need Reparations for Black Americans. Japanese Americans received reparations after their racist and unjustified detention in American inter- internment camps during World War II. In 1988, US Republican President Ronald Reagan signed into law the Civil Liberties, Liberties Act of 1988, which apologized for the inter- internment on behalf of the U.S. government, and authorized a payment of twenty thousand dollars equivalent to forty-three thousand in twenty twenty to each camp survivor. Total payment of the Japanese commun- uh, American community was in the billions. <clears throat> when it comes when it comes to the Jewish people, the U.S. government financially supports their community as well. They have secured billions for their community. In fact, in January. The U.S. government committed to giving $3.3 billion annually to aid to the state of Israel. This increase in money to the Israel happened under President Barack Obama, the country's first black president, according to Reuters, and its January 9, 2020 article titled, quote, titled, I'm sorry, titled U.S. Senator Backs Bill to Provide $3.3 billion for Israel, American lawmakers said, quote, the bill Will put into law a, mo- a, mor- a memorandum of understanding reached between Israel and the Obama administration from, Obama's administration from four years ago that was the biggest pledge of US military assistance made to any country. On the other hand, y'all ready for this? I know y'all taking a look at this, right? How much reparations were given to black people? Zero. Let me read this. On the other hand, the U.S. government has committed zero dollars to black reparations. Not even an official apology from the United States government for the centuries, 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 brothers and sisters. All right, black people suffered in slavery and segregation. Zero dollars. Zero zilch. Nothing. Some folk may argue, oh, we got civil rights, that's a form of reparations." Some people say, oh, you got health care, that's a form of reparations." Mm-mm. It's not a form of reparations, all right? Reparations is something else, all right, even greater than that. But we haven't gotten one penny for reparations and not even an apology, family, not even an apology, all right? And again, I don't want to hog the mic, all right. So I just want to kind of like read this to you guys, all right. I want to read this to you, family. The final verdict. This is my conclusion.
1: Hold on, excuse brother. Uh, mm. Brother Bashir, you you still got seven minutes. Go ahead.
3: Okay. All right. Great. Black clouds. Black clouds. Um, the final verdict, brothers and sisters. Fundamentally, black reparations are needed resources to close the social and economic racial disparities within the black community in America caused by over um, 350 years of American slavery and segregation. Families, it is needed. It is absolutely needed to create parity, real parity, um, uh, in 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 our community, um, and. We're just kind of like, if, if reparations doesn't happen, we, you know, we're still fighting this up here uphill battle, right? I, you know, I, I know some of you brothers and sisters, because we got some, we got some heavy hitters here, right? We got some scientists, scholars, right, on reparations. You know, you, have a, you I know you know that analogy about the race. How white people started several meters ahead of us. Well, that race is still going on, and those meters are getting getting longer and, I mean, getting more distant and distant. And to bring that all together with some parity, some equality reparations is needed. If that never happens again, we will be in the permanent underclass, um, you know, forever. All right? Um, Yes, it would take billions to right the wrongs created by us. It may take trillions, all right? Some people say there's not even a a dollar amount, all right, but it's going to take some money. It's going to take some resources to right the wrongs created by America and the Western world waged in the Black community. Even, even a famous and wealthy African American billionaire businessman Bob Johnson, Robert Johnson, the creator of BET Black Entertainment Television, senses the problem with economic inequalities in Black America, right? That is a very wealthy man. He sold BTR for billions of dollars. He's part of the upper crust, right, of, of black America. Hell, I would even argue to a certain extent white folks uh, in white society. He's a very wealthy man, but even he sees um, something not right, okay? He has called on the U.S. government to even pay trillions to black people in reparations. Month. Fox Business News published an article titled, BET co-founder, co-founder calls for 14 trillion in reparations for Black Americans. Right, this is written by um, a woman named Evie Fordham on June 1st, 2020. Fordham wrote, "Quote: Is 14 trillion too much to ask for the atonement of 200-plus years of brutal slavery, de facto and de jure government-sponsored social and economic discrimination?" And the permanent emotional trauma inflicted upon Black Americans by being forced to believe and the hypocritical, unfulfilled pledge that all men are created equal. His press, his, this is a press release now that he put out. All right, <laughs> you know, his press release included a link to a paper that advocates for 350 thousand. for every black person in the U.S., Johnson advocated for direct cash payments over the next 10 to 20 years, quote, Johnson said in the statement. Now, folk may not like Johnson, you know, for various reasons, and rightly so, but I think that he was on point about that Um, to a certain extent. To a certain extent, let me say that, to a certain extent. But there's so much more to it than just a dollar amount, all right? so much more to it that we're going to remedy and repair the damages done by hundreds 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 centuries 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 of slavery and nearly 100 years of, of segregation and then on top of that we got to talk about you know using some resources and money to repair the damages done to mother africa all right because mother africa was was um severely um, traumatized, hurt by slavery, by European slavery, and some hundreds of years before that, the Arab enslavement of black people. And we didn't even get into the Arab enslavement. We didn't even challenge the Arabs to give money and resources, right, to the enslavement of black people, all right? I know that's a whole other issue, but um, we got to make everyone account. Everyone's hands are dirty. Um, in, the, in the slave trading of black people. All right. Uh, so we need to make everyone accountable to reparations, brothers and sisters. And again, I don't want to hold the mic. I know it's just about my time. I want to make sure, Sister Chris, I want to make sure I was on point. All right. I don't want to get cut off. <laughs>
1: Not only are uh, you on point, you're right on time, brother. Black power, black power.
3: Black power, Sister Chris. Thank you so time. much. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Man, we thank you, brother. Like I said, you know this brother right here. He was the chairman when I came in up in Newark. You know, I, I watched this brother take our ten-point platform mm-hmm. and our nine local objectives. Not only this brother, but that Newark chapter, and actualize it from having like, wow. brothers and sisters with the schools in the school system, in the social system, the social work uh, areas, and the in the local government. Right there, working directly with the mayor and putting together programs. In fact, when Brother Kofi spoke earlier about how in Houston we did for three years straight doing Black Justice Tuesday, we we got that idea from from Newark. You guys were demonstrating. At that time, it was almost like a couple of years at the same time. Remind me of that? What was that? Y'all were on consistently? We said, we're going to do it like Newark.
3: Oh man! Oh, let me our uh Anti-violence protest. Yes, yes, yes. We were doing it every single Wednesday, every single Wednesday. Um, uh, and the organization was it was called, and it's still in existence today, actually. It's called the Newark Anti-Violence Coalition. We had actually five demands. One was Gary McCarthy must go. He was uh, the police uh, director. He was uh he was he was not right for the city of Newark. And we asked for his removal, which we got, and replaced the police chief. We didn't have a police chief. But we also demanded that Crips and Blood's various street organizations um, come together in peace um, in a ceasefire agreement. Um, and we also called, Sector this out, Sister Crystal. And I advocated this hard because I'm an educator. I advocated that the Newark Public Schools adhere to the Amistad Law. The Amistad Law... Um, is is a New Jersey educational law that was created in 2002 by lawmakers Bill uh, Payne, William Payne and Craig Stanley and it requires all public schools, all public schools to incorporate black history, African history in social studies and in all subject area um, in all subject area of the curriculum that means in English you have to incorporate black history or African history. In science, you have to incorporate black history or, or, or African history. In uh, mathematics, you have to incorporate black history or African history. So that's something that we got done. Still got a long way to go, you know, because we're still in a battle against white supremacy in the school system. There's, and some Uncle Toms who are fighting us, fighting, um, you know, the New York Public Schools uh, movement towards Amistad. So they, you know, they put some, some, some folk in place to try to create some stumbling blocks. But we're, we're navigating around that. But that's what we did. Those were our demands. And we organized the people. We organized the streets. We organized the Crips, the Bloods, the Latin Kings, organized teachers, parents, everyone um, to get to Newark public schools to adhere to the Amistad Law, as well as fighting to end senseless community violence to create peace in the streets in the city of Newark. And it's dramatically affected the violence in Newark, because Newark's um, uh, crime and violence rates are dramatically reduced. It's not We're not all the way there yet, but it has been dramatically reduced by the efforts of the Newark Anti-Violence Coalition, and now the Mayor Ras Mayor J. Baraka's Office of Violence Prevention and Toronto Recovery, under the leadership of our great sister, Keisha Yuri, the Director of the, the Mayor's Office of Violence Prevention and Toronto Recovery.
1: That's right, Black Power, Black, black Power. power. Yeah. Wow, thank you, Brother Bashir. Thank you so much. Uh, no Salutes out to the Newark Anti-Violence Coalition, Brother Bashir Kanaley, and we're gonna keep this ball rolling, brothers and sisters. We've got coming up next, our brother. Let's see, we're gonna have to do a uh, brother Eugene. Let me get to you, brother Eugene. I'm gonna have to open up your mic. Here we go, brother Eugene. Did you push? Let me
4: see.
1: Oh, you can't say something. Mic check.
3: I'm in here. I'm in here. Can
4: you hear me? Okay.
1: I can hear you. I can hear you. I'm I'm about to mute everybody else. Uh, Let's see. I'm about to mute everyone else just to make sure you don't accidentally uh, turn your mic on. But Eugene Talford uh, met this brother. He actually reached out to us, uh, the new black Panther party uh, and and invited uh, myself to speak on the panel for the African Union uh, in in regards to a a diaspora uh, presentation that he did, and that was an honor. And uh, in turn, uh, the brother had so much information. When I was building with him, you know, I asked him to start uh, doing a Pan-African report for us on Thursday nights on our radio broadcast, and the brother would consistently come on every Thursday and give us updates not only uh, of what's going on in Africa, but from a business perspective you know and you know it was it was imperative to him that we engage uh with our brothers and sisters in africa in a business uh capacity not just go as tourists you know and uh so the brothers got a wealth of information uh to my understanding our dear brother now has a uh, african name given to him uh brother obi namwame am i saying that correctly
4: and and wani
1: yeah, I don't want to, uh, this will probably be the last time y- y'all will hear us referring to him as Brother Eugene, as we will start uh, addressing him in his African name. So with, without uh, any further uh, ado, uh, we have Brother
4: Obi, Black Power. Black Power, sister. Thank you. Jumbo and Habargani, ladies and gentlemen. Today we gather to celebrate a very important milestone in our history, the Juneteenth holiday. And a special day that commemorates the struggles of and liberation of our African ancestors and reflect upon the significance of freedom and equity in modern day times. Again, we welcome the jubilant Juneteenth radio TV special dedicated to honoring the resilience and triumph of African American community. Today, we explore the stories and experience that have shaped the nation on an ongoing pursuit for our equity peace and justice june 19 1865 the news of emancipation finally reached the shores of galveston texas and two and a half years after the emancipation proclamation was signed the announcement marked the end of slavery in the united states and became a symbol of hope for liberation and for the strength of the human spirit breaking news in Just come in, all slaves are free. People of Galveston rejoice with the news of emancipation reaches their ears. The day of June 19th, 1865, will forever remember it as Juneteenth. From the days of reconstruction to the civil rights movement and beyond, African-Americans have fought tirelessly for the rights and dignity and freedom Struggles endured by our ancestors paved the way for the progress that we are privy to today. But Juneteenth is not just about the past. It is a celebration of resilience, unity that continue to provide the pursuit for justice. It serves as a reminder that the struggle of equity is ongoing and we must stand together to face adversity. Today on Juneteenth, June 19, 2023, we commemorate Juneteenth with a great joy and appreciation. It is a day to honor and the contributions of African-Americans to our society and to recognize the diabolical impact on the culture, science, art, and literature that we have today. We celebrate the pioneering spirit of Harriet Tubman, who led countless slaves to freedom through the Underground Railroad. We also celebrate Rosa Parks, who refused to give up her seat on the Montgomery Bus Boycott and became the catalyst for the Civil Rights Movement. Juneteenth is a time to reflect the progress that we have made as a nation, a nation of black people, but also to acknowledge the work that lies ahead. It is a day to educate and to others, to raise awareness about our history, our contributions uh, as of being African-American and to promote inclusiveness, inclusivity and equity for all. Today, we, we witnessed the younger generation embracing the spirit of Juneteenth, carrying the torch of equity forward. They are our future leaders. And they will continue to fight for justice, love, and understanding. So as we celebrate Juneteenth, this first day, on this beautiful day, let us remember the struggles, honors, and achievements, and embrace the diversity that makes our nation strong. Let us stand united and hand-in-hand and work towards a future of equity and justice that prevails for individuals, regardless of our race and our background. Thank you for joining in for the jubilant Juneteenth. We remember the spirit of Juneteenth lives in us every day and celebrate liberation, resilience, and the pursuit to be better tomorrow. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. And now, again, for those who are just tuning in, this is Brother Eugene Talford, also known as O.B. Nwani. It's my African name, and we say Howard Baragani." Uh, To those, welcome to today's New Black Panther talk show, and we're here to celebrate Juneteenth as a part of our ancestral recognition. We are here today to discuss the state of the Black nation in 2023 and the importance of economic survival of African peoples and African nations. This special topic in today's broadcast is addressed by the state of the Black nation, and I am your host again, Brother Obi and Wani. Today, we're going to dive into a critical topic. It is important in our parts of economic survival of African people and African nations. The Black grassroots organizations and leaders that you see here today on this broadcast platform is here to shed light on critical issues and to also to give insight. But before we begin, let us... Take a moment to reflect on the journey of how this all started. In 2023, we find ourselves in a pivotal moment in history. African nations have made significant strides in various fields ranging from technology to arts, education and healthcare. Yet we must acknowledge the persistent challenges faced by African-Americans, African peoples and the pursuit of economic prosperity. Economic survival is not just a desire, it is a necessity for growth and the development of the black nation on our globe. Some may ask, Brother Obi, can you provide some insight into the current economic landscape of African nations? Certainly African nations have shown resilience and potential over the years, but economic challenges persist. High unemployment rates, income inequity, and the limited access of resources continue to impede our progress. However, it is important to note that African Africans possess vast resources, both natural and human. To achieve economic survival, we must harness these resources effectively, efficiently, creating an environment that encourages entrepreneurship and innovation, and investment that's a powerful point the entrepreneurship and investment that is needed is very critical is very critical to our economic survival but how can african nations attract investment and create environmental conduciveness business growth african nations must prioritize and create stable and transparent business climates this involves promoting good governance Upholding the rules of law and investing in infrastructure and education. When investors see the commitment to stability and growth, they are more likely to invest in African business and contribute to the economic survival of African people. So it is not just attracting foreign investment. It's about empowering the local people. It's about empowering ourselves and it's about empowering entrepreneurs. Empowering the local business is essential to economic survival. African governments should implement policies that support local entrepreneurship, such as improving the access to capital, training of people and citizens of their nations, and the business development of services. By nurturing local businesses, we can create a vibrant entrepreneurial ecosystem that drives economic growth and job creation. This is when we get into becoming advocates from the African diaspora engagement and economic empowerment. We often hear questions like, how can the African diaspora contribute to economic survival of the African nations? The African diaspora holds significant potential for economic empowerment through the remittance of investment, the knowledge of transfer. They can make substantial impact on the development of African nations. It is important for African countries to foster strong connections with the diaspora and diasporan communities, providing platforms for engagement and facilitating investment in key sectors like agriculture, manufacturing, and technology. Some may ask, what types of African government strengths ties with the African diaspora community. Governments can establish diaspora engagement initiatives and facilitate knowledge of exchange, promote investment opportunities, and create networking platforms. Additionally, policies that ease the process of doing business and investment in African nations can encourage diaspora to actively contribute to the economic survival of our African ancestral homelands. It is clear that collaboration between African nations and the diaspora is for our vital prospects for economic survival. Many of our listeners and viewers ask, what are some of the actionable steps that an individual can take to support this cause? Individuals can start by supporting African-owned businesses and buying African-made and manufactured products. By consciously choosing African brands, we stimulate local economies and create job opportunity. Additionally, education, educating ourselves about Black history, culture, and economic challenges will enable us to become effective advocates for change, building networks and partnerships, both within the African community, with our allies from other backgrounds. It is key and fundamental. By working together, we can amplify our voices, effect meaningful change in the policies, and the persistence that will ultimately benefit African nations and their people for sharing your values, insight on importance of economic survival for African peoples and African nations in 2003, we will provide the necessary resources that will remind us and remember that economic success in the black nations is not just a matter of financial gain, but it is also empowering the communities, fostering growth and ensuring the purpose of a future generation to continue to an exciting discussion about the political and economic responsibility of black African peoples and our beloved mother Africa. Today, we are diving into a realm of possibilities and exploring how we can move ourselves forward in a higher economics and higher freedom. We stand as a committed unification on the frontier of the jumpstart of the African Industrial Revolution. So get ready. We are on the move. Africa is the cradle of civilization. It has a vast and a rich and diverse history from the ancient kingdom of Egypt and Kemet and Mali and a vibrant culture of Ethiopia. In Nigeria, our commitment always has been a beacon strength in the resilience of how our people exist today. But today, we are on the cusp of a new era, the African Industrial Revolution. It is a time for us to come together to harness the potential and pave the way, the purpose of our future. To achieve economic freedom, we must visit and recognize the political responsibility that we all hold. Our leaders have a vital role to play creating, enabling environmental growth and development. We must demand transparency, accountability, and good government, and good governance. We need leaders to prioritize and the needs of the people, champion of the rights, and fight corruption. By holding our government accountable, we can ensure that the resources are allocated efficiently and equitably. But politically, political responsibility is not limited to our leaders alone. Each one of us have a role to play. We must engage in our community, participate in democratic process, and advocate for policies that promote social justice and inclusivity by joining forces we can create groundswell of change and amplify as a collective voice. Now, let's turn to our attention to the economic responsibility. Africa possesses, Africa possesses a vast natural resource and a young, dynamic workforce and a burgeoning entrepreneur spirit. We must harness these strengths and foster economic growth and reduce the dependency on foreign aid and monies. It is time for us to break free from the chains of the underdevelopment and become self-sufficient and self-reliant. Investing in education is a crucial step towards economic freedom. By empowering our youth with the quality of education and technical skills, we unlock the potential to be leaders and innovators of tomorrow. Education provides the foundation for sustainable economic growth and reduces inequity. Together, we can assure that our children will be moving ahead. Another important aspect of economic responsibility is the promoting of inter-African trade.
5: We must build bridges. We must tear down walls. We must reconstruct
4: the old rules and regulations that the colonizers had put in place for the continent of Africa. By fostering economic integration, we create a vibrant vibrant marketplace for goods and services, attracting investment and creating jobs. Together, we unleash our full potential on the continent of Africa. The African industrial revolution is not a dream, It is a reality, it is a call for action, a relaying cry for all black African peoples to rise together and to seize the opportunity before us. By embracing technological advancements and nurturing entrepreneurship and fostering innovation, we can leapfrog into the future as a shared prosperity. So let us unite, my brothers and sisters, Let us embrace the political economic responsibility that allows architects to design and to move further towards our destiny. Together, we can create a legacy of economic freedom, lifting millions out of poverty and building a prosperous Africa for generations to come. This brings us to the end of my dialogue and discussion as the state of the black nation on a political and economic front the responsibility of economics in the black community and black african peoples worldwide the african industrial revolution it starts with us let us be let us change these things together and together we'll build a brighter future future for mother africa Tuka Fomoja. I'm Brother Eugene Tauker reporting from Charlotte, North Carolina. You, still got,
1: you got, still got seven minutes, brother.
4: Okay, well, that's what's out with Black Power. How do, really? you,
1: how, how do folks get in contact with you? And could you tell us what's going on in D.C. Uh, coming up uh, as far as your event with the African Union for your name change?
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, earlier this year, uh, Nigeria had Uh, went into its new election process. And now we have the Honorable Bolo Ntumba, who is the new president of Nigeria. And with that, it comes with a whole new administration of people. And I got a phone call about three or four weeks ago uh, from one of the Royal Highnesses out of the Emu state of uh, Nigeria. And I asked if I would be interested in becoming uh, a US representative uh advocating on behalf of the African diaspora which gives me an ambassadorship to the nation of Nigeria itself and so this was such a big honor and I said sure why not you know I I could put one last thing on my resume so (laughs) so that worked out right on time and I'm here to certainly bridge the gap between Africans in the diaspora with Africans on the continent of Africa through business dialogue and the transformation of technologies but also participating, having the African American community make them aware of what's happening with the African Industrial Revolution, and have us become a major part of that. Many of us know since the uh, ambassadorship, uh, the African Union ambassadorship with Dr. Eric Cantor and Barack uh, when she was uh, part of the U.S. missionary here in the United States, uh, she was strongly trying to bridge the gap between. Uh, Africans in the diaspora, with what's taking place on the continent of Africa, and thus was able to get us a seat within the African Union itself, and we're known as the Sixth Region Initiative. And so, what I will continue to do is to, with my new position, I will continue to bridge the gap, to make awareness of the many programs that are being fostered uh, through African nations, such as uh, obtaining dual citizenship and repatriatism but also collaborating uh, with the build-out of uh, what we can do to assist each other wherever Africans may be at worldwide. It is very important, and Nigeria itself is a dominating economic system that is on the fast track, uh, surpassing South Africa and all the rest of the nations on Africa, and is in turn is the trigger to more African freedom when it comes to politics and economics. As we are advancing as a people, we see ourselves as a vital part of this initiative, uh, and to bring the African diaspora in is a very important and vital piece. So today, I uh, rock my new African name. Uh, I'm actually probably one of the first out of my generation to be able to set foot back on the mother continent of Africa. I lived in Senegal for a few years, but uh, over the recent years, I've found through my DNA uh, that my African ancestral lineage come from Nigeria on my mother's side. And we've also, uh, through family records, uh, have kept very good track record of my father's side of the family, which is from Cameroon. And so we're here as a standing testimony of resilience in which I spoke about reading off the state of the Black nation and, of course, that's what we're here to do is to move our future generations uh, into futurism with the jumpstart of the African Industrial Revolution, Black Power.
1: Thank you, Brother Eugene. Black Power, Black Power. That was our brother OB, a.k.a. Brother Eugene, uh, representing the New Af- New Africa Network. Uh, that network, I don't know if he mentioned that. They have, you guys got, how many members in the New African Network, brothers?
5: Oh,
4: man, sister, you know, when we first met, you and I first uh, came into contact with each other back in October 2019. And Dr. Eric Hanna, uh, uh, the ambassador of the African Union at the time, uh, wanted us, brothers and sisters, to meet at the African Union headquarters to discuss many of the things that were taking place, a lot of the atrocities that uh, we were facing, uh, and especially with many of the killings uh, that were taking place at the hands of uh, Babylonian police uh, and uh, and racism, and so we came together uh, to discuss this as a part of the Afro Diaspora Political and Economic Think Tank organization, which led to the eventually led to the development of the New African Network uh, IT Telecommunication Broadcasting Company. And this was a idea that was put together by uh, Brother Amani Jean-Paul, who resides in Ethiopia. And he said that we need a platform that could, uh, we can voice things that concern and affect us, but also works as a platform for bridging the gap between brothers and sisters in the diaspora with brothers and sisters on the continent to do business uh, and, and to also provide vital information about what's taking place in our communities. So it started out as a 100-person meeting, turned into 300,000 members that we have connected to the New Africa Network telecommunication broadcast platform, uh, which reaches a a household reach of more than 3 million people within the last five years. So you're talking about black excellence and black power. That's the move that we're making today, and we're going to make sure that we pass the torch down uh, that something of substance that we can deliver to our people, and that's very important in this day and time. Power I Shay. Right on. Ashe. Thank you, Brother Eugene, Ashe.
2: Brother Obi.
1: Asante. Asante. Yeah. Asante. Asante. Black Power. I'm talking about we have we have nothing but, but heavy hitters. Brother Minister. You come out with me, Brother Minister. Brother Minister Abdul Haleem Muhammad.
2: assalamu alaikum
1: Now this is my Godfather <laughs> talking about a Godfather in Harlem, Godfather in Houston but he came down from new york though when we met him, it was like i minister out of new york he used to be a dj they caught they used to call him dj mac <laughs> but uh as a as a young uh 19 year old teenager i i used to see the brothers on the corner over there by my grandmother's house uh with the suits on selling the final call i'm coming into my conscience i'm like man who are these brothers right here you know, I'm up at Texas and I ran into people like uh, Kwame Ture, and Amaro Bedelli, and, you know, we learned about Malcolm. I'm like, oh, Malcolm X, that's like those brothers on the corner over there by my grandmother's house. I start putting two and two together, and I start going to the mosque. I'd be going in and out, you know, still doing the music stuff, you know, doing the little promo- prom- promotion. I would tell all of, all of my uh, partners, y'all need to come check this man out, man. These people over here at this mosque. They got some stuff going on. Tupac was out then. You know what I'm saying? We started bringing everybody to Brother Minister Robert. You know, screw everybody. You name it. Willie D. We said Willie D. to go meet Farrakhan when Biggie and Pac uh, got murdered. I'm talking about Brother Ministers. Has, has really been my, my godfather for real. It's like Brother Kofi. You know, uh, we've been out in these trenches, you know, fighting for justice. All the way in Gina. He, you know, he hits the region. Gina, you name it. I mean, I can't name all these atrocities we've been having to deal with. But uh, part of my spiritual upbringing of this movement has been very, it's been a holistic, you know, uh, very powerful ride, you know, freedom fighters. So we are indeed allies. We're indeed comrades. Uh, You know, this is where I got my name, Muhammad, from the mosque when I was very, very much active. I was not, for the record, never put out the mosque when I was asked to chair the New Black Panther Party, I, I sat down and I talked to Brother Minister Robert, Brother Kofi, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I got some good instructions, and they've been key allies. And so, I mean, I, I, I take up the whole broadcast, you know, talking about our dear brother. But we're going to have ask our brother minister to come on board. Uh, he's got a heavy backdrop, not just the minister, but he, he's a doctor, I believe, in urban development and planning. And so as we're talking about reparations, I asked if he could touch on the topic of what would reparations truly look like, you know what I'm saying? People are are saying throwing these numbers here, throwing these numbers there. Some people are saying some things are reparations that some of us are saying, I don't think there's reparations. You know, that might be something else, you know, but, you know, from what the Muslims want, what the Muslims believe, you know, what would reparations really look like? With no compromise, Black Power. It right. sounds simple, but it's a, a very serious topic, and I I know our brother minister can bring it in. So, alaikum, Black Power, brother minister, student minister Abdul Helene Muhammad, representative the Southern region of the Nation of Islam under the Southwest. Honorable Southwest Minister, Regional Minister of the Nation of Islam under the Honorable. Minister
2: Louis Farrakhan, Black Power. Black Power. Alaikum. salam My dear Sister Crystal, and to all, in each and every one who has participated in this reparations teaching, I am honored and humbled to be a part of this great assembly of minds, spirits, wills, calling on the ancestors to draw strength, guidance, that perhaps this present generation may lay the foundation or continue laying the foundation for what really freedom, justice, and equality looks like. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent the Merciful, I bear witness there is but one God, the creator of all things, revealer of all truths, sender of all prophets, messengers, warn us. Thank him for his intervention in our affairs and person of Master Father Muhammad, raising up the most honorable, Elijah Muhammad, To give to us Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and the man that I have attempted to represent for these 37 years in Houston and since 1994 in the Southwest region, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. My beloved brothers and sisters, I'd like to, with Sister Crystal's permission to share my screen uh, on this uh, auspicious occasion that we uh, look at the fact that when During the pandemic when Asian Americans were being attacked, the White House and the Congress found a way to make sure that there was anti-Asian hate policy. When the LGBTQ community has been under attack, they find a way, the White House and the Congress find a way to come up with policy when the Jewish community claims that there's a rise in anti-Semitic incidents of violence, they have a White House conference and a whole strategy, policy, gathering together all of these groups and organizations and the entertainers and the sports uh, associations to combat anti-Semitism. After the murder of George Floyd and the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, grassroots movement, where's our George Floyd Police Reform Act? Where is our John Lewis Voting Rights Act? What did we get? We got Juneteenth. <laughs> I hadn't heard of Juneteenth until I got to Texas. And then I found out what it was about. But I wanna talk to you just briefly from the vantage point of course of the nation of Islam in terms of all of these great minds that have been on to discuss reparations in this teaching and just add our piece to it. And prayerfully all will see the benefit in everyone's presentation. Our ancestor Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without a demand. It never has and it never will. Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said to us that power concedes nothing without a demand backed by power. And so we must have black power, as Kwame Torre called for. And black power is for us to have self-determination, for us to govern our own economic and political affairs. But most importantly, from the standpoint of the nation of Islam, if we can't get freedom, full and complete freedom, if we can't get justice, equal justice under the law, the law of justice applied equally regardless of creed, class, or color. If we can't get equality, equality of opportunity, a place in society with the best of civilized society, or equal membership in society with the best of civilized society, then we've got to call for some of this earth we can call our own. So I'll go into my presentation. I don't want to take up but the time that I've been assigned. And hopefully, my dear brothers and sisters, we can come to some agreement that we need to understand that we're looking at, as Minister Farrakhan pointed out in our 2020 Savior's Day, convention we're watching the unraveling of a great nation and if our people are not what are not awake to what is happening on this on the, in this satanic mother that we draw nourishment from and as it goes down we'll go down with it if we don't begin to think as an independent people for the betterment of ourselves because, as the most honorable lies, Muhammad teaches us, it's self first, then others. And that's what, how we need to think, and I'm grateful that everyone's talking about not only national but international movement so we can connect all of our people of the original nation. Going forward, as an urban planner, if we're going to have any kind of project, we say, okay, what do reparations look like? For me, as a project manager, there are one, two, three, four, five things that have to be managed. Human resources, personnel, budget. People have been talking about numbers. I know we've been talking about numbers. What are we owed? It's trillions of dollars. And so we need a budget. We need material and materiel, which are the larger, the larger assets that we need and those other things that are smaller. We need time, we need to schedule time, and we need data. I go back to time because time is running out, brothers and sisters, for this nation, for not giving us justice. And we have to make the best we can of time because the calamities are increasing across America. We saw that uh, that many of the towns where our people live are now being impacted by these natural disasters. And unfortunately, in the case of environmental injustice, man-made hazards and man-made disasters. In terms of data, the brother who presented just preceded me, talked about the gathering of hundreds of thousands of like-minded Africans or Black people of like minds to come together on the issue of reparations and justice for our people. So we have the qualified men and women for self-government. This is evident among us. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad asked and answered that question, do we have the qualified men and women for self-government? He said emphatically, yes, we do. We have people in all walks of life. And if nothing, if no good came out of the Obama administration, one thing we did learn is that we can govern uh, a big uh, entity, even if we were just managing the white man's store. At that time, we can manage our own store. Let me go to my presentation which uh simply, brothers and sisters, before you yield anything above ground as an urban planner, the one thing I've learned is is that you have to go literally as deep down and set the infrastructure as as high as you want the infrastructure to go. In other words, to support it. And I'm not talking about really a physical infrastructure at this time. I think it's, it's apropos that when Brother Eugene was making his presentation I would I was listening on silent I, and my bow tie was crooked, so i had to I had to uh end my video, but I was listening and and it and it just inspired me, and I thought it was so on time, but I'm not talking about really physical infrastructure. what I'm talking about is actually human infrastructure, however you want to arrange it, I know that we need to have that which is uh, uh we call it a ministry. Mr. Farrakhan introduced it to us after the horrific Calamity of Katrina struck, and we found ourselves sitting around waiting for local state and federal government to rescue our people off of roofs and out of the, the 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 superdome and Sister Crystal is well aware of the work that all of us did we We were forced to come together from the suites to the streets, all different kind of formations, but we had to uh have our more activist formations to really go down there and force the issue uh, to make sure that our people rescued and taken care of and that they didn't get double-crossed by the Red Cross, that the March of Dimes didn't march their way out of our community as people were calling for all kind of help during uh, that. But in 2005, at the Millions More Movement, the minister called for ministries. And we can call them by any name uh, in our formation, We've got to have some ethics, some moral, some spiritual uh, that, we, that, that governs our affairs. There has to be trust among us uh, in order that we can have, whether it be uh, the, the negative confessions, whether it be uh, teachings that are drawn from our traditional African religions, whether it be uh, those things that we started in Islam and Christianity and uh, uh, Judaism, as we call it or any of these other uh, spiritual teachings, but we have to have something that lays lays at the center uh, of our movement, which is that we have to have the kind of law that is universal and that will unite us and give us the ethics necessary to move forward together if we're talking about trillions of dollars and uh, material in reparations. But these ministries should cover agriculture, education, information in this information age, health and human services, trade and commerce. We got to have defense because if we want some of this earth we can call our own, we have to guard our own borders. (laughs) We do have to guard our own, but we're not going to guard them, Sister Crystal, with slingshots. I'll just leave it at that. We got to have justice. We've got to have justice. We've got to have a way of resolving our own problems because we don't need to take them Uh, to our slave masters' children to solve our problem because they always seem to divide us and they wind up coming out on the winning end when we come out on losing and when we take our business to them. Arts and culture, arts and culture that reflect positivity and get these culture vultures out of our arts and cultures and and the things that move us because culture and art oftentimes can express things that are difficult to talk about, but it's put in a way that you and I can uh, can learn from it. And is a universal expression, music and dance and and the uh, stage plays and things of that nature are the universal methods by which we can communicate our heart and soul of our great ancestors of our present generation and our hope for the future. And lastly, of course, science and technology, as we see the Elon Musk and the others of the world and this artificial intelligence is predicted, predicted to take out over 300 million jobs globally. The question is, are we gonna be on a plantation of information or are we gonna be right down to the modern times? Let me move on. We are builders, we're not beggars. So our approach to reparation is we're not begging you for anything. We just want that which we can build and do for ourselves. We have to get back into the trades, blue collar, white collar, and silicone collar we need all of the trades. We need all hands on deck because that's what reparations look like because we're going to have to have expertise to build and to do for ourselves and maintain and sustain what we build. I'm going to go through this quickly so nobody falls asleep. But number one for me and for us from the teaching of Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we need some of this earth we can call our own. We need land. So the enemy that may be looking at this, I want you to look at what we do. We really deserve the whole country. but We will, for the sake of of just discussion, I would like to see us have 40 million of us times 40 acres that we were promised and never got. I don't want a mule. My wife and I were out today, uh, sisters and brothers, and we were looking at a Dodge Ram truck. I, I think I'll take one of them. 40 acres and a Dodge Ram truck. All right. We need some of this earth we can call our own, brothers and sisters. Something beautiful that we can have. And we're not talking about starting from scratch. I ain't talking about we're going to clear the land. We're going to dig. No, man, please. They just need to move. And then we beautify it. I'm, I'm serious. We want heaven on earth, not in the sky. It's one of the things, the fallacies of religion, that's how we've been taught by enemy, is that he would build a heaven for himself. We catch hell, and we had to wait till we die to go up in the sky to get some, some of the heaven that he describes. In a way, in a form, it sounds like we just left here, a land of milk and honey. If you got milk, you got cows. If you got cows, they got to be grazing somewhere, and they're going to be grazing in grass. That grass is growing out of the earth. You got bees. You got bees that are going from flower to flower to pollinate, cross-pollinate uh, the vegetation and the flowers. And guess what? Them bees, is uh, that's on the earth. So this land of milk and honey that flows with milk and honey sounds to me like some of this earth we can call our own. Not in the sky after we die, in the sweet by and by, but something sound on the ground while you and I are still around. We want gardens of perpetuity where rivers flow. That's in the language of the Holy Quran. Again, it doesn't sound like gardens of perpetuity where rivers flow. Rivers flow on earth. And gardens don't grow up out of the earth. This is what I'm looking for. And if there is something after that, I'll accept it. But I'm going back to my God for where I was sent. And I'm leaving my children and grandchildren here, but I want them to have this. This is the vision, because the minister says the greatest uh, ingredients of leadership, brothers and sisters, is not political sagacity. It's not economic know-how. It's not a degree from Harvard or Yale or the Sorbonne in France. It's vision. Because when you have vision, brothers and sisters, you can call people of talent, skill, knowledge, an ability to that vision. It's the same vision that uh, Kwame, Kwame uh, Ture had, the same vision that Kwame Nkrumah had, the same vision that all of our freedom fighters that have lived in the past and lived today had, is that we would have some heaven on earth and some, some place that we could be safe, secure, and do something for ourselves and for our children. I point out to us, brothers and sisters, that We are uh, an agrarian people in many cases. And agrarian urbanism would be city life and country living. It would be a community that we would build uh, around food production. And I'm not talking about slaving in a field for someone in the city. I'm talking about that we grow food, of course, for ourselves, our own community, and we sell the surplus. That we would control, of course, the planting, the harvesting the packaging, the marketing, the transportation of, the warehousing of that product, we would set the price point and do things of that nature. So what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters, is controlling the logistical supply chain from the field to the meal. Too many times we are suffering from this this uh, increase in cancer and heart disease and other things that are tied to our nutrition. And we have to really get control of the logistical food supply chain, brothers and sisters, because we got to get our mouths out of the white man's kitchen. He, he cares about money, not about health. So we must feed ourselves. There are many of us, uh, and you'll see them all over the internet, Are black people that are going back to the earth. And in some cases, brothers and sisters, are very successful. But now we've got to network them. Just like we're networking for reparations, we've got to network all of these landowners. A man was with us last Saturday at the mosque. He said, I got 50 acres. I don't know what to do with it. Oh, really? You came to an urban planner? You you got 50 acres? You don't know what to do? I said, "Uh, I'll be talking to you uh, this week, my brother. All right. We can build modern cities with ancient roots. When the European came to Africa, he didn't find us swinging from trees. He found great cities when he came there. He was very impressed when he landed there. We know we built on ancient. We got more cities underneath the desert, underneath the ocean, covered up by the, the jungle, the uh, overbrush of, of the jungle, than he is ever, than he's still discovering at this time. So brothers and sisters, we can build modern cities with ancient roots. And I love some of the internet posts that show the beauty of some of our African cities and the infrastructure and the, and the modernity that is there. We don't have to be thinking that somehow, some way, we got to start from scratch. We do not. We have what we need to do something for ourselves so we can really see what reparations looks like. We want safe, decent places to live, work, worship, work, and play. I'm only giving you a picture, of vision of things that can be sisters and brothers, because we have, the, we have the capacity to do all of this, but we now must unite this great diaspora of minds and talents to get it done. We can take it everything from from a natural zone all the way to an urban core where we have skyscrapers. We can have bedroom communities. We can have anything that we want if we would just set our minds to it and unite. As the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says, our unity is more powerful than an atomic bomb. We can have beautiful streets. All the things that are happening in our urban areas where these white people are coming in and you see these improvements, you say, oh, these improvements are for them. Of course it's for them. That's the way they think. They abandoned us and went out to the suburbs and used all of the money to create highways that cut through our community, but highways to... Uh, enabled them to go out to the suburbs. They moved the factories from inside the city to the suburbs, then to the south, and eventually out of the country, where we didn't have a blue-collar path to the middle class. We know the story of them. Uh, I know if Reginald Gordon was on here talking about the prison-industrial complex, we know what happened in the Ronald Reagan, white the basement of the Ronald Reagan White House with the iran culture uh, Contra affair. Uh, and the pouring in of crack cocaine and guns into our community, uh, so that they could fund the illegal war against the Nicarag- Nicaraguan Sandinista government, and we know what that did to us, and all of, all of it leading up to uh, the president, uh, then Senator Joe Biden writing the bill, uh, and Clinton signing it. It led to the mass incarceration of our people. But we can do the same thing, but it requires for us to control the dirt. You can't stop. Gentrification, you can't mitigate gentrification unless we earn the dirt and maintain the dirt and be able to pay for the dirt that we did acquire. We should have everything, sister so and brothers. I'm not taking nothing off the table. We want a place that is so decent that the hell they want to come and live with us. And we're just gonna tell them, no, we're sorry, because every time you come among us, you cause trouble. You just you can visit. But you only get a 24 hour pass. No matter of fact, just 23 hours. You got to be you got to be out of our town by sundown. How about that? All right. We have to have education, brothers and sisters. We got to educate this new generation uh, that is absolutely falling out of the educational system as it is. They're trying to reinforce and uh, perpetuate white supremacy. They call it, uh, this fight against CRT. That is such a phony cultural war lie. Everybody, everybody got any sense, no, the CRT is taught in law school. But they're saying anything that has to do with our history, our struggle, our pain, our suffering is CRT. But I don't hear them talking about, you know what, we need to stop talking about the Holocaust because it makes little Jimmy feel guilty because his par- his great-grandparents or his grandparents knew that the Holocaust was going on but didn't do anything about it until they got into World War II. But you- Tell the Jewish community you're not going to talk about the Holocaust uh, in school. Yeah, y'all get what I'm saying, right? We need an education, brothers and sisters, that make us want to do something for self and not for others. We must have hospitals. We've got to be able to take care of our own sick and wounded. If we say we're going to participate in a revolution and we're going to be fighting a revolution, then we got to have in mind that we have to triage and take care of our wounded. We can't take ours to the, to the people we fighting with and say, help us, save us. And in the long term, what reparation looks like is us taking care of our own sick, giving birth to our own, making sure that our children are giving birth to. Our black women are disproportionately dying in childbirth, and many of our infants are dying in that childbirth. If you think this is an accident, then, brothers and sisters, I think you need to reexamine the facts uh, that, indeed, uh, they were trying to stop the birth of our people. We don't need to be taking experimental vaccines. We don't need to be victims or the guinea pigs for big pharma in a depopulation effort. They're trying to slow our birth rate. You know, you could fit all 7 billion people if you stood them shoulder to shoulder, you could fit all 7 billion people in Los Angeles County. Did you know that? So don't let anybody tell you that the 57,255,000 square miles of land on this planet, there's not enough earth for everybody. It's just not enough earth for the greedy to take care of the other 85%, 90% of the people who need some of this earth in order to sustain themselves also. That's the problem. America makes up 5%, North America makes up 5% of the world's population, but consumes literally 30% of all of its resources. That's the problem. All right. We need to be a part of the information technology, as I said before, brothers and sisters. We cannot allow ourselves to fall behind in this area. We've got many black geniuses. And when we study the black inventors, we know everything from the ironing board to the stoplight. To many of these technological advancements, I actually, black people are behind them or have discovered them. Everything from the cell phone on. Industry. We got to make and manufacture. No nation is self-sufficient that does not take care of itself. This is why Anthony Blinken is over there in China right now kissing the ring of the Chinese president because, you know, so much over there is manufactured. Walmart started off with that USA, made in the USA products, and they almost went bankrupt. Now, Walmart is the number one distributor of Chinese-made goods. So anytime anybody be talking to me about made in the USA or USA first, I tell them, let me look at your collar. And if I pull back the collar and I say, oh, made where? Sometimes and most times in China. But we have to control our industry. We have to have the mind of an entrepreneur. We have to think not about going to college to get a job. We have to think about going and advancing our education so that we can make jobs for ourselves and have the mind of entrepreneurs. We want good homes, not just homes, we want good homes. We want the best of civilized society. We have to have international trade and commerce. This was the masthead of the Muhammad Speaks newspaper at the time of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And you see our brothers stretching across the horizon, uniting. And it's time now through technology, through jet travel, that we can go back and forth. I was blessed to travel to Africa two times, uh, and uh, to go to the Gambia, to go to Ghana in 1994, and in 1999 I was blessed to be part of the delegation, uh, the delegation that dedicated the Alex Haley uh, School and uh, and Mosque in the village of Jufare was blessed to be at the Roots Festival that they had there in 99, blessed to be in the International Saviors Day with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, convened in Black Star, Star Square with 10,000 Ghanaians came out to hear what the minister had to say. And there was a beautiful thing now where I see many of our people are going to Ghana and Africa and retiring and taking whatever money that they get in their Social Security and they retire in their retirement, their pensions, and they said, man. I'm, I'm living over here. I, I, I want to get out of here. I, I want to be in a place where I can just be black. I can just be myself. And I don't have to feel that, that heavy burden. When you get out of the space of the United States, brothers and sisters, I'm not being spooky. But I swear to you, when I traveled outside of the space of the United States, I've been to China, I've been to Turkey, I've been to uh, Central South America, the Caribbean. But when I got to Africa, it was almost as if I felt like a weight just lifted off my head. That's a beautiful place it's a beautiful thing, brothers and sisters, to be some place where you can just be yourself. And if we're going to build our own nation, we got to learn the art of war. We have to in peace. We prepare for war. In war we prepare for peace. And we have to defend what is ours as long as we have someone that considers themselves our open enemy. They're not going to let us go easy, brothers and sisters. They don't want to let us go. They don't want us, but at the same time, they don't want to let us go. This is why this discussion of reparations, H.R. 40 has been hanging around so long under John Connors. It might get to the deaths of Joe Biden, but they're not going to do nothing about it. And we just can't fool ourselves. we got to keep pushing, though, because united together, we're going to get these reparations because the time is at hand for us to come out of this system and to build something for ourselves. I just believe that the time is here. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that when we do, there are people who are going to come among us to teach us the peaceful and non-peaceful use of the atom. So, hey, brothers and sisters, we don't have to sit around here talking about we're going to throw rocks at somebody. Man, people are going to come and they're going to help us to utilize whatever science and technology we need to advance ourselves and defend ourselves, and lastly, brothers and sisters, all that we do, we've got to learn the science of mating one it- Ashley, you still had thirty more minutes I do, you- yes, sir oh i'm sorry. you know sister Crystal, i you know I can extemporaneously I can talk for two hours i'm i'm trying to i didn't i didn't even look at my time i i'm just i just i want to be respectful.
1: No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. You got okay, it. I, I'm not worried I just about it. I want to be
2: respectful of my brothers and my sisters, and I don't want to abuse their ears or their minds. I just want to express to them what, what I, I, I
1: Frankly, see. I didn't even know you could do 30 minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: okay. That's why we
1: invited you, Bob Rudy, a few of the uh, Jay Smiles, a few of you guys for an hour, and uh, you know, so...
2: But go ahead, brother. i <laughs> sorry. I think one of the things, one of the three things, Honorable Elijah said that the white man would never teach us was the science of business, the science of warfare, and the science of chemistry or mating. They know that America, the business of America, I think it was, it was a Calvin Coolidge or one of them said, the business of America is business. America is nothing but a corporation. It's a a continuation of the charters that were given to the colonies or to the governors that represented the colonies that became states. They were either corporate charters or they were charters offered by the uh, king, the crown, and those that were offered by parliament. And uh, after the Seven Year War, the French-Indian War, uh, the colonies were asked to pay for the war, but nobody was in the parliament uh, representing the colonies. So the cry came out, taxation, well, representation is tyranny. And so these rebels decided, well, you know something? I'm going to start shooting at my own cousins. I'm going to form my own country. And they got together and 56 white male property owners signed the Declaration of Independence. And then after they fought the war, uh, uh, some, uh, 39 white male property owners signed a constitution uh, on September 17, 1787, and they didn't even want white male non-property owners to have the right to vote during their debate. So the point is, brothers and sisters, is that uh, they didn't want us to learn the science of business. And if we had the science of business, they didn't want us to learn the science of warfare, how we would defend what it is that we built. And lastly, they know that Eventually, we're going to return back to the earth. What will you leave your children? You and I have to pick the right mates so that we're able to have children that will uh, ameliorate and perpetuate the good that we have done in our lifetime. Not somebody waiting around for us to die, to collect some insurance money, or put us in some assisted living household and leave us in there and not care for us. Uh, the the thing I really admire about the immigrant communities, and we know this because uh, one of the brothers in the mosque actually does a service of picking up the remains uh, of many in these immigrant communities, so that they can do janazas or take them to uh, the the Islamic um, mortuaries. Many of these people die at home, with their children taking care of them in the last years of their life. So we got to learn the science of mating, brothers and sisters, so that we can, you know, give birth to gods. There's a science to this. And we need to learn this science to perpetuate ourselves and improve ourselves generation by generation. And we need to be putting in their minds this. My three of my four sons are engineers and engineering is the basis of nation building. Three of my four sons are engineers. Two of them have master's degrees because we want to have the mindset of people who can build a world for us. And so that's my presentation, Sister Crystal. And uh, at that point, I I did that presentation. I said, man, I don't want to go too long and I put that together. So, let's let's have a conversation. If anybody wants to open up the mic and let's just talk because I respect every mind that's on here and I don't think that I have all the answers. The answers a, are all on this screen.
1: That's a great idea. And let me see how we're going to do this. Um what I will do right now, I'm going to open up the mics. Let me see how I open up these mics. I've muted everybody. Uh let's see. Allow participants to unmute yourselves all right now, if you have a question for Brother Abdul halim Mohammed, this is the time right now. Open up your mic or if you have a comment, go ahead and open up your mic, and we'll go in order of who opens up their mic. We got about thirty minutes right now where we'll be able to do some some uh commentary here from the brothers and sisters who are listening uh as we are. Uh, waiting for other folks to come in. I don't know if you guys are able to do it. I think I unmuted you. If you haven't, somebody send me a quick chat. I'll check the chat box to see if it's something I'm missing. But, uh, you know, Brother Minister, it was a slide that you showed earlier that had more than the five states, that territory. It looked like it went from New Mexico all the way to Florida and on up into the Midwest region. Can you slide back to that slide? Let's build on that. I think that, that requires some discussion because, you know, I don't know why for some reason I think that people don't really see the fact that this is a, a very ach- achievable um, demand. And there was something, I know we got the, continue, the continued uh, structure, the way it goes from one state to another, or what they call it, a congruent, conti- contiguous or whatever. But, yeah, that map is kind of, yeah, that goes, that's past five states. That's, uh, what, almost three, fourths of the nation. Let's talk about that. Free the land, you know. I hear that. In other words, there are discussions that are going on as we speak in California as it relates to reparations. People are talking about a dollar amount. They're also talking about certain policies in place. But what I found very interesting was that uh, folks were trying to you know, there was no conversation about territory of land. You know, many other programs that need to be implemented. So let's let's just deal with this this serious part right here with this land map. What what? what I just what wanted
2: happened? I wanted to give us a picture, Sister Crystal. You know, a lot of times, you know, we have theories or have conversations, but we don't give people an actual picture. You know, human beings think think in pictures. So if I say what does reparations look like, I'm trying to show us what reparations would look like for our soldier here in America. I'm not greedy. I don't want all of it, but I want enough that's equal to the 40 acres times the 40 million of us. And I think that's like 1.6 billion or something like that, acres of land. I mean, we, we have to have, we have to start with a minimum of a hundred million acres, Donald Bilallah said. But in truth, dear sister, you know, if, 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 if there was to be any kind of justice, as I see it, as I've been taught, I, I just, as an urban planner, you sit down with people that are, uh, are planning a billion dollar rail system, a billion dollar light rail system, right? It's just just an idea somebody threw out there. Let's build a light rail system. And then they begin to sketch it out, and they begin to program it out. And in the end, I'm riding on that light rail train during uh, the ribbon-cutting and the inaugural trip, having worked on at least $250 million uh, leg of it, and to have sat at the table – and the Gulf Coast Rail District that I was appointed to, and sit down with the most powerful transportation entities in the country, which are the railroads, not the highway people. The railroads are the most powerful transportation uh, agencies, uh, in, uh, industries in this country. Not the airlines, not the highway. The railroads, and to sit across the table with four railroads in this in this in this city. And 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 see the power that they wield, and then sit down and be on the the planning and program committee and put together over three hundred million dollars in plans. It's for me, I can't think inside of a box. In fact, there is no box. We're in uncharted territory right now. We've never seen anything like this. For people to be complaining about street crime, and 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 then watch the former president of the United States get indicted. <laughs> and people say this is all a hoax a witch hunt and i'm saying to myself but these same people are talking about arresting pookie and ray ray and blocking them up and then we're watching this take place right in front of crime starts at the top like the old mafia saying the fish the fish rots from the top from the head down and we're watching a whole criminal enterprise unraveling before our very eyes politically economically socially regionally and If this is the fall of America, and it is, and we're in the basement, when America crashes, you're not going to find black people killing themselves. And the reason why is it's impossible to kill yourself jumping out of the basement. We're in the basement right now. If America falls, it's going to fall on us unless we get out of the way. But I wanted to give a picture of what justice really looks like for us some of this earth we can call our own. Our blood, sweat, and tears have earned this for our children's children's children, here or elsewhere, But whatever it is, I wanted to give you a picture.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, you know, that's a, a very interesting point. I wanted someone to also build upon more because we hear a lot of people uh, that talk In the reparations movement, I hear a lot of conversation about cities and states and and the federal government and their part in paying the reparations. But we've not heard enough conversation about addressing these corporations, from the railroads to the insurance companies, the banks. You know, there are more more plaintiffs to go after. You know, earlier the brother mentioned about the Catholic Church. You know, there are plenty of plaintiffs to go after. We're going to have to think outside the box uh in, in fact, we have to think in the in the form like you just said, there is no box, whatever they got, you know, uh whatever they got, you got planes, trains, land, just add it up because all <laughs> of the wealth that this nation has, they got out of the, the labor of our ancestors and the continual current oppression and robbing of us as we speak, so um, we did again uh want to open up the mic for anybody, I don't know if you're able to open up the mic. Somebody can send me a message in the chat. I don't see it. Um, I did mute so that everyone could, uh, I call myself unmuting. Let me see. I'm gonna try this again. Allow people to unmute themselves. Okay. All right. Let's, all right. So we got a brother. We got a few people open up their mic now. Let's see. We got James Rogers and we got brother, brother Luke is that you? Yeah, it's me, so Okay, you have a uh, a comment for brother brother Minister? Uh Well, I got a question
5: cause, uh I think in the back of the final call it lists uh eight states or seven states. The Republic of New Africa, we identify five states as national territory. And I was looking on the map that he uh just put forth and uh I didn't exactly catch. Um uh, the details that he said about it, but I know he said that he was one uh, giving us a picture of what justice looked like. And I see, I think he got 13 or 12 states. It's good that they are they're they're not landlocked and they are composite whole with no donut in the middle. But I want him to explain his rationale for the 13 states that he got right there and the differentiation uh, between the eighth and the final call and the five with Republic of New Africa and what, uh, how do we, uh, what is our international law theory behind these many states? Free land. Minister, you still here? Yes.
2: Yeah, but but Luke I'm not qualified to talk about international law justification for it. Now honorable Elijah Muhammad actually said we need to start with a hundred million acres of land minimum, but he did talk about eight to ten states. If we're not talking about eight to ten states to start with, that's not the end of it, to start with, then we we're really not talking about justice. I just picked this map. I could have picked a map That was, uh, and and I'm grateful to Allah that I had a chance to work with uh, Brother Dr. Gamari Obadeli when he was a professor at uh, Prayer View A&M. And my son was going to school there at the time, and he was very helpful in bringing myself and others to that campus to come in to speak to the students and to raise their consciousness. This was just a map that I saw on the internet, to be honest with you. And what I want to do was just simply give us a picture of it, whether it's five, eight, 10, or these 13 states. Well, America started with 13 states, 13 colonies. I don't know why we can't start with with 13 ourselves. And and being that we're having a Juneteenth reparations teaching, I think it's I think it's it's on time because it was Texas, and, and I, I love to hear Professor James Small as he kind of talks about Juneteenth. You know, Granger coming to Galveston saying, "Yeah, okay, y'all free, but you know how you're free? You're free to go, and now you got to be employees. You're no longer slaves. You can be employees. Go back to the same plantation you just came from, and and the man that worked you for free can now set your labor." At ten ten cent a day. I mean, come on. But anyway. We well, got you
5: What, I, what Man, I get from you I, is I, that they say that you never start the negotiation at your at your minimum. You start at beyond what you, you wanna get. And then we start at thirteen, I think uh we end up with we all end up with quite pretty pretty piece of uh of well, you know, we started
1: the uh, no negotiation at thirteen, huh? Well, <laughs> we also we also need to add brothers and sisters because this is what this brings into mind. You know, we are going to as we are building and, and politicizing the masses and getting more people on board. You know, we're going to have to come back to the table and to the drawing board on what our demands are. You know, in sixty eight, when the first Republic of Africa, we should think about this. Uh, they said five states. These people have have made it, created even more atrocities since then with the crack cocaine, with the, the poison of our food, the LGBTQ, the COVID, the excessive police violence. I mean, it's not like our numbers, our demands are going to go down. They're adding punitives on top of punitives on top of punitives on the things that they're doing to us. So, you know, when we do have this plebiscite, you know, we, you know I don't think we should put any limits on anything. You know, we we operate and negotiate from a point of strength. You know, we have the numbers. We just have to convince ourselves that we can do it. Convince our own selves that this is what we deserve. That's what's owed to us. In actuality, this whole map is ours. In actuality, this entire map is ours. Can
2: not disagree with that, sister?
5: The, uh... The other thing I want to say when we're talking about uh, land and reparations and quite uh, correct. Can you cut your uh, video on? No, I can't cut the video on right now. I'm not in. All right. In all right. Place. Go ahead,
1: brother. Go ahead. But go I'm ahead. I'm to do that. Go
5: ahead. Uh, I think that the plebiscite should go hand in hand with reparations. And I think Marley said that they one is not valid without the other. Uh, but in saying that, the reverse migration is is kind of like going on right now. Blacks coming from the north and the west, and he's coming back to the back belt South. But I think we need to make a constant, a concerted effort to uh, to to get back back to the South, to the to, to the national territory, and the states in the South, because we maximize our numerical power when we get people back. And scattered out across the country, we divide it, we're weak, uh, we lose our organizational power and our numerical power, our numbers, and we scattered out. And a brother spoke earlier about us being a permanent minority. We're in a democracy where we're only 40,000, the whites are almost over 200,000 by themselves in other races, our us also, we are